your move. Welcome back to Disney Marvels for week of June 26, 2022. This is episode 182. Disney Marvels, the show about Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Muppets, Pixar, 20th Century, the parks, and much, much more. If it has to do with Disney, it's fair game. I'm your host, Matthew Graykin. So, put the poll out there. It's a little late, but I got the poll out there. The poll's back and going again. And with 4th of July coming up, Independence Day here in the United States, I had to be a little selfish. But Walt would approve it because Walt was selfish this way as well. I had to talk about America for America's birthday. And my question was, what's your favorite Disney Parks version of America? I know there's many more than what I listed, but these are the primary ones that I, I put out there. And no one said anything different. So this is what we're going with. Main Street, USA. The American Pavilion in Epcot. New Orleans Square, which is in Disneyland. In Liberty Square, which is in the Magic Kingdom. And thank you to everyone who answered. And, uh, well, let's, well, I'll start off this way. 17%. Well, I have to go with the lowest one. The lowest one's always first, right? Yes. The American Pavilion, no one voted for that one. Sorry, no love for the American Pavilion in Epcot. I, I feel bad, but I, 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 that's how the people voted. And that's how we have to go with it. 17% said Liberty Square in the Magic Kingdom. Liberty Square got 17%. 25% said New Orleans Square. 25% of you like New Orleans Square. But a outsounding. Sounding. Is that or even a real world? Outstanding. The majority goes to. With a 58% vote. Main Street USA in all of its incarnations around the world. That is your favorite version of Disney's America. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Well, speaking of Disney's America, or speaking of America, I hope everyone has a happy, safe, and healthy Independence Day here in the United States, everywhere else. I hope you just have a fantastic and wonderful July 4th or 4th of July, uh, and hope just celebrate in your own little way. And today, I do want to mention now, because I don't mention it later in the episode, we will be talking about Kenobi Episode 6. There will be spoilers, so consider yourselves warned. Spoilers are abound on this side of the break. And speaking of the break, we'll be back after these words from our friends and sponsors. Hey Matthew, Jim Hill here. I do the Marvelous Disney Podcast with Aaron Adams over at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. I know, I know, very humble sounding name. Uh, anyway, I really enjoy what you've been doing over on the Disney Marvels Podcast. Uh, but as you probably already noticed, the Marvelous Disney and the Disney Marvels Podcast names are very, very similar. Which is why I imagine I keep getting mail for you. Um, that's actually why I'm calling today. I wanted to know what you'd like me to do with all of these Yankee Candle catalogs. Uh, so uh, please get back to me. Uh, oh, and uh, keep up the great work with the Disney Marvels podcast. Thank you for those kind words, Jim. And make sure to check out Jim Hill on the Marvel Us Disney podcast with Aaron Adams to find out all sorts of wonderful things about Disney, well, Marvel uh, particularly, what's going on with them. 
And Jim, uh, those catalogs, I'll make sure to give you the forwarding address. And uh, unless if you want to order something, go right ahead. And once again, make sure to check out Marvel Us Disney with Jim Hill and Aaron Adams wherever you find or listen to your podcasts. And now, on with the show. The final episode of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series has come at us like a rancor ready to rumble. And I, I, I have so much I want to say about this episode, and I don't want to speak alone because... It gets boring when I talk to myself. And I think you guys get bored when I talk to myself. So therefore, I had to bring in somebody who has recently changed his last name to Skywalker. And has appeared now on a few episodes. So, Dave Goldman, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. My pleasure, my pleasure. And then uh, a guy who always likes to dress in black. But also le- wields a very lethal lightsaber. And is one with the force as he walks amongst us. It is Sir Isaac. Welcome back, Isaac. I'm I'm back. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dress in black. Sure. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, guys. Thank you for having me back on the podcast. Appreciate it. Oh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Um, Yeah, well... We've reached this point. We are at the end of Kenobi. It feels like it was only a few weeks ago whenever we were gathered together to talk about uh, parts one and two. And now here we are talking about part six. Uh, I, I would, you know, There's no title, so I, I can't say what the, the title of the episode was other than part six. But it's... Uh, it, was, it was quite the, quite the send-off, quite the, quite the series. Um, I know we've talked many things, or just recently, last week, Isaac, we were talking about some things that didn't feel completely right with the the series yet, or, uh, you know, it, it was heading in one direction or another, but we, uh, we are here at the end, we have survived, and, um, yeah, let's get down to it. Um, I mean, for me, that opening scene was just beautiful. Uh, where you had Vader on the the bridge of the Star Destroyer, looking out into the vastness as they were attacking uh, attacking the uh, res- refugee ship, um, very much like the opening of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think, Dave? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That scene, especially with the uh, <laughs> the Grand Inquisitor on on deck with him, totally cool. <laughs> I was on board, man, right away. It started like, yeah, it was a little. I, the first five minutes of this episode, I wasn't sure which direction they were going, but it did pick up once they started chasing Kenobi. You know what I mean? Like I was like, oh crap, here we go, don't flop. <laughs> once the chase was on. Yes, Isaac, what did you take of it? Uh, you know, again, for what the episode needed to do, um, you know, it, it again, I, like like we we talked about the last 
the last podcast, um, this was the point where they needed to kind of uh, ramp it up and kind of had to uh, put it into full gear to kind of hopefully delivered uh, a pretty decent ending. And and for what it what that episode did, it, it you know it did accomplish uh, some very fun and in, in, in some very cool moments. Uh, you know, basically, like you said, seeing Darth Vader and the Inquisitor sharing uh, the same room and overlooking, um, you know, the servants at the bottom and stuff like that, too. But, uh, yeah, for what the episode needed to do, it, it was a, you know, a cool fan service moment, you know, in, 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 all, in more ways than one. So, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, I think even just... On the ship, and even though it was a slower point, it was kind of like, okay, where are we going? Where are we going? And it took a little, few moments to get there, but I think we had some very, very strong character moments on there, mm-hmm. um, and, and some of the some dialogue, some very, some really nice dialogue going on, um, where you have uh, between either Roken and Obi Wan, or, or even Leia and Obi Wan, where let's see here, I haven't. I actually have it written down. Obi-Wan goes to Leia. Um, when I said before, I didn't know your parents. Right? Before that, I don't know your parents. Princess uh, Princess Ogona, you are wise, discerning, kind-hearted. These are qualities that came from your mother. But you are also passionate and fearless, forthright. And these are gifts from your father. Both were exceptional people who bore an exceptional daughter. Um, that was, I think, a very powerful moment. And then the other one that I really, really liked when Obi Wan was talking to to Roken, and you know, basically saying, you know, he's he's going. Uh, Obi Wan's going to sacrifice himself to lead Vader away, so that way they have time to escape. <clears throat> and Roken goes, "Wait, this isn't about us. This is this is something that you want to do, that you want to face Vader." You're not looking for, um, you're not looking to save us, but you're looking to to confront Vader. It's a slightly different perspective on that. And uh, Obi Wan, he won't admit to it. He says, "Just keep them safe." And Rogan's like, "Keep it yourself safe too." And then Obi Wan turns to him, and I, I love this line. He goes, "Rogan, there are not many leaders left. People follow you. Don't stop." Which his response is, "I'm just getting started." And I'm wondering if this is something that we are going to be seeing more of soon. Um, if this is a character that, I mean, all purposes, it is a character that could possibly show up in Andor. That's complete speculation, and I do not know if this is going to be the case or not. Yeah, well, he fit, he fits in perfectly. You know, yeah. He, you have some guys that are on, I think Isaac brought it up last week with some people just being on Star Wars just to put it on the uh, checklist. Mm-hmm. His character just blends in perfectly there. He fit, like he fits in. He's comfortable in Star Wars. So I would love to see him in something else. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, definitely O'Shea Jackson was um, was a, was a, a, a very surprising standout within this series um uh you know def like 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 and he it's clear that you know for a dude that's everybody know him for being the son of ice cube you know for him to step in 
you know, as an actor, and he's he's shown to grown to be very more well, a, a bigger, well-dimensional actor from this time. You know, people remember him in this time being straight out of Compton to now moving into a series like this, like Obi Wan Kenobi. It's it's great to kind of see him take these uh, grown steps as a fantastic actor and and building his shops and yeah to kind of build a, a really cool character that like you said we could see in Andor and you know he could definitely be maybe a small leader of a resistance and play a, an interesting core part into leading into that series that's if he does show up into that series which is more grounded. And more level. I, I think a character like that could use. Uh, I think uh, hopefully a show like Andor could use a little bit more levity um, in a character like what uh, Jackson Jr. has brought to the show at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Andor can go either way. Uh, even this, the way that the the trailer started off is a little more lighthearted, but then quickly gets dark with much more heavier undertones. Yeah. Of what's going on. So I don't know which way that series is going to go. Um, but yeah, this is. Uh, I don't think we're done seeing this character. You know, I, I hope not. You know, like you said, this could be a character that could, you know, hopefully fit into whatever series that they move on forward. Um, but, uh, and, you know, what other, what, again, uh, maybe I don't, I don't want to jump the gun in terms of how we feel about the series as a whole and what they should do moving forward. But yeah, no, it's he's great option, you know, great option moving forward. Um, so yeah, the uh, then we get Vader. You know, Obi Wan lands on a uh, undescript um, plant that I'm not sure we've ever seen before. Um, they didn't mention it. I didn't check to see the subtitles to see if it mentioned anything. It didn't. I, I had them on. I was just watching. Nothing popped up that I saw. So just some random rocky planet. Um, and it's... Uh, he leaves Lola right there. Kind of a, a touching moment. And next thing we know, we have... Uh, the, I'm going to stick with this. The Obi-Wan side of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Vader comes down, and they meet again. Last, we meet again for the first time, for the last time. How cool is it seeing him come out of that Imperial shuttle, man? Come on, awesome. just the the way that he walked <laughs> and presented himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it really set the tone, and it was a lot of things I felt were a throwback to the way that. Episode three was wrapping up. So, um, so that's um, Dave. What did you think of the the way that battle played out? That was all right. So to rewind, I thought part three was fantastic. The 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 battle scene that they had there. I was on point with. Um, I didn't, and, but after that, it was okay. How can they match that? And we got that and more. I think in this, uh, in the final battle, 
in part six. Um, it was the, uh, what was it? It was the point where Kenobi connects back to his Jedi altogether, 100%. Throws the rocks off, off of him after being buried in the hole. And now he is more powerful than Vader and he's throwing, chucking the rocks back at him. It was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, um, for, for that, the final battle piece, um, you know, I'll, you know, I, I'll share some of your, your sentiment. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, you know, for, from where, between everything that we've had, between where technology has evolved in terms of special effects, because I know LucasArts has always been one of the studios that have been one of the, the, the grandfathers of trying to push for more bigger special effects. Um, and it continues to do that. So it it really is a very interesting um like uh, time period of where you've seen Lucas Arts and special effects when the first three uh, films came back out around the 80s, and then to the next step to where you see the films come out in the 90s with the episodes, and even only with the last previous trilogy was the last trilogy in terms of the, the, the leaps of where technology has taken steps from and how. And how special effects have gotten even bigger and better, and, mm-hmm. and 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 simply more robust. And and in that fight scene, you really got to see where the special effects can really, where you really got to see both uh, Vader and and, and Obi Wan really be able to flex their power in terms of you know being the Force and all that stuff. But in terms of how the battle and how the rhythm of the fight was going. Um, you know, um, that being said, in terms of how, as a story piece, um, it was okay. I'm not going to say it was the, the grandest of things. It's just kind of like, because I've, you know, at this point, you know, watching so many action movies and you really kind of see, you see how the set pieces are building up. They're, you know, they've had some really cool moments. You'll have a great sequence. And then, you know, Vader clearly will throw everything at our hero or protagonist. And then, and then hero montage pops up where the character has to remember that you're the chosen one. You could, you, you know, it has like, you could do anything if you believe in it. And then, you know, poof, blows up. And then all of a sudden, I am the chosen one, blah, blah, blah. Throw, throw a mountain. I'm the bad, you know, the best. <laughs> and then uh, cut scene. Uh, yeah. And then leave antagonist. Uh, um, Running with his uh, running with his tail between his legs, licking his wounds. So, uh, uh, yeah. In terms of the sequel, it's uh, it's unfortunate. It's a it's a you know, unfortunately a uh, case by numbers sequence. You, you knew the beats of what was happening to the end, um, and um, unfortunate. And, and I think that's another issue. Um, you know, that's kind of unfortunately reflected by, I want to say it's story constraints in terms of the con- the continuity, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm slurring through my words, uh, between the, the, the time beats 
of what what uh, this series can do because again like um it, it, it from it, it it felt like it was a series that had some restraints to it though but that fight scene was you know a buyer the numbers fight scene so yeah and it had like just the, just visually and 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 uh like when they clashed their sabers together and you just see that big blue glow on on uh kenobi's face as yeah. they're like struggling and even when he like he bashed that what that breathing panel on his chest and you heard that that iconic like raspy Yes. Uh, Vader, uh, yeah, that you know, it's just it, they they did a lot of stuff that was just cool, and a lot of it was throwbacks to other movies. Yes, mm-hmm. um, the where you were talking about Anakin getting thrown into the ground <clears throat> was actually an allusion alluding to again the third movie where Anakin go <clears throat> not Anakin sorry Kenobi goes you know Anakin I have the high ground yeah well this flip that. Vader has the high ground, or Anakin has um, the high ground on that one, and Kenobi's, you know, further down. Uh, the bashing of the chest that was to uh, Return of the Jedi, where mm-hmm. uh, Vader's chest piece got damaged in that one, which is inevitably what uh, more or less killed him, and then. Uh, one of my favorite moments were the helmet strike mm-hmm. is when Vader fought Ahsoka in Rebels. So actually, mm-hmm. that's at this point yet to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these these are all taken from other Vader conflict or battles. Uh, but I wanted to step back to the technology part that you were talking about, where this was all filmed with the Void, which is what the Mandalorian uses, the Void technology where it's basically just a giant uh, video game screen. And to think where that was cutting edge for Mandalorian and just to see how much further that's come along now in Kenobi and just how much even crisper and more amazing these things have uh, become and and gotten. Uh, It's what they're doing at ILM is just probably beyond what George ever thought they would be able to accomplish because that's something that he's always tried to push. That was with the prequels. He was trying to push the technology, which he did at that time, um, going a lot more digital than films at that time had done. Uh, a lot of people were saying it's well, some of their uses of green screen technology. That is incorrect. Green screen has been around since the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not new, but it is at, you know, for its counterparts, they used a lot more than what uh, was being used in the film industry at that time. Nowadays, most movies are CGI animated, and you have one or two, yeah, you, know, you have a few people that aren't. Uh, but, you know, look at Transformers. That's basically an animated movie with a live person in it. Mm-hmm. Um, off topic, I was watching that, uh, watch, catching the end of Bumblebee. And remembering that uh, Haley Steinfeld is in that, and I loved her in that movie, and how much I loved her in Hawkeye too. Um, she just she does such a good job, and into the Spider Verse, great job in in all those. Um, the only three movies that I've seen her in, or three things I've seen her in, but uh, love watching her every time she's on the screen. Back to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Um, yes, uh, 
it, the conflict between them, it is, yes, it is, you know, nothing's going to happen. That And this is kind of said where I said towards the beginning of the, uh, when we first talked about this, is that unfortunately, you know, of the main characters, they all survive. They all come out of it. Um, that aside, though, I, this I'm going to have to say is one of my favorite lightsaber battles. Um, I've always knocked Star Wars for its lightsaber battles. And here we get one that is actually very well choreographed, nicely done. Um, as Isaac, as I mentioned to you last week, the visuals that uh, the, they have put into this with the, the lighting effects from the, the lightsabers and the other elements around, um, the visuals are beautiful. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. Um, when lightsabers scratch, um, clash, the sparks and the, the light effect that comes off of it has gone so much further than what we got 45 years ago. Uh, it, it is 46 years ago, uh, four 45, right? 45. Um, yeah, 70, 77, 45. Uh, it, it's, they've come so much, uh, you can't even say how much further they've come, but it is just so beautiful to watch now. Mm-hmm. Um, these for the special effects alone, uh, again, the choreographing, I, I said, knock star Wars for its lightsaber battles. Again, we get another really good one. Absolutely loved it. Um, makes up for episode three's lightsaber battle at the end. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> Some people love it. I loved episodes. I loved part three. Come on. Yeah. Like, oh. You have to say this lightsaber battle is better than that oh, lightsaber. That was better. That's what I was just saying. That, that yeah. oh, you yeah. know, I was riding off that high, and I didn't know where they could, if they could, com- if they could equal that, and they went much higher. So it, I was impressed. And correct me if I'm wrong. The way it started off with the wording was almost, I think, line for line, how they started off the battle in episode three. Yeah, very simple. Was, yeah. <laughs> Are you here to destroy me? Yeah. I have to do what I have to do, basically. You know, it's kind of the, the same way that, you know, yeah. you're repeating yeah. yourselves. Come on. <laughs> I know it's yeah. been 10 years, but please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you gotta love, uh, you have to, it's, uh, you gotta love uh, lazy writing. Anyway, no. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, was, with, no, again, was the, what was the fight ge- uh, geography, which was what I was kind of thinking because of, it's almost like a weird way where you have to, where the fight choreography has to almost honor what what was done ten years ago in terms of episode three, like you said, um, because in my, that was my mind. Because then again, you take you, you take the next hop into New Hope, where clearly is the last time that Obi Wan takes on. Dark Vader within that 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 time frame period. So I I don't know I don't know in my mind like okay like I feel like they have to make where the the fighting couldn't be too fancy or over dramatic because it would have to streamline comfortably once uh, once the, um, both uh, like again once we get into New Hope so. Uh, yeah, no, in terms of the fight sequence and how, um, you know, for what both, 
you know, Hadenson and, and, and McGregor can do. Yeah, I thought it was decently well done, you know, in terms of the dance and how they were able to kind of work together and and always trying to make, like, I know that Dark Vader is a cool character, but, like, you know, you're talking about a a big, heavy dude. Like, he moves very heavy, like, like it's big, heavy strikes versus Obi-Wan, who has a little bit more flair in terms of, like, Mm-hmm. He'll do like a back, you know. He'll do like a back uh, guard, and then you know, swing. He's got over. more versatility. He's more, more versatile. He's a little bit more grace over right. more heavier swinging Dark Vader because Dark Vader's not really known for a lot of that. He's just known for like heavy big strikes and and then with the normal um, force powers stuff. So, well, and they they even they did talk about that. Um in the previous episode where they're, they're having the flashback and the two of them fighting where Anakin or Vader always goes for the, the driving blow and is using his force and his might to defeat his opponents where Anakin yeah. is using, um, using the force and using his mind to counter his opponents and isn't going for the death blow every time. And you, you you see that in this choreography. The other thing you also have to keep in mind is Vader, his arms and his legs are machines. So you're not going to get the graceful movements out of it. I mean, right. Even just to watch how he walks. Yeah. He has a, yeah. just a very um, a heavy march to him. He never runs because he probably can't. But he has a very heavy march to him. There's a lot of weight. You feel the weight of the the darkness you could really like look into the metaphors and everything that uh this that it uh is presented through vader through his movements and through his actions you know the weight of the dark side that weighs him down and keeps him under movement um slower movements he is all about the um the power and the power struggle and going for the heavy blow and He's worried about, he's always focused on the big picture and the big attack or the, the big moments um, where Anakin or where, um, geez, I always get them mixed up. Yeah, I think you're going to mix up, yeah. Yeah, Kenobi is going for, yeah, he, he is analyzing everything more and looking for the right moments in the, the right turns to be able to do stuff and looking for the opportunities to present themselves and playing the long game and the patience. And understanding that it's not based on that very moment, but the moment will come when it presents itself. And again, going for that more graceful and being more in tune to the moment and in tune to what is going around in his surroundings, which is what the Force and the Jedi is about. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, analyzing the dance, as it were, um, of this of this battle. Um, and it, it ends again, like I said, with the, the blow to the helmet, you get the, the part where you reveal the person, I'll, I'll leave it at that. The person underneath the mask and Obi one sees him for the first time. Sorry, Isaac. Put this suit in the prince so he can Okay. So the, uh, the lines there, um, where, you know, the dialogue between the two of them where Kenobi... You, you see them because Anakin and Vader, uh, you, you get the wheezing and the way that the voicing was, the, the voice 
work there I think was amazing because it starts off as Anakin's voice and you hear Vader's voice creeping in um, and slowly taking over. It, it's not there at first, but each line, there's more and more Vader to it. And I thought that was brilliant. Um, yeah, absolutely again, the, fantastic. Yeah, the, the directing skills, to the directing uh, that Chloe had in, for this series, um, I think a lot of this series wrote on her directing abilities. And it, it just, she did such a fantastic job. And, you know, the, so Vader goes, Anakin is gone, I'm what remains. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can still feeling responsible for this, for what he became. Um, you know, I apologize for it all. Vader, uh, you know, it's like I am not your failure, Obi Wan. Um, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did, mm-hmm. and, and that is just to me. That's a powerful, powerful line. Yeah, that was powerful enough to clear. Obi Wan's conscious of any guilt whatsoever that was, you know, affiliated with his training of him turning into Vader. Mm-hmm. And, a, and uh, he continues the same way: "I will destroy you." And then Obi Wan, again foreshadowing into what was said in Jedi by Luke Skywalker: "Then my friend is truly dead." Mm-hmm. Goodbye, Darth. And then Obi Wan was stupid and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> well, he calls him yeah. Darth. Didn't, didn't uh, Obi Wan in A New Hope call him Darth as well? I think in like I could have sworn he did it, so I thought that was like a little throw to to uh, A New Hope as well. I think so. When he called him Darth, I think he did. Did um, they? They did. One of the things that they did good with this writing was they did pay, try to pay attention to. The connective tissue between what's happening in this series to the movies that surround it mm-hmm. um, and try to bring in try to pull on those fibers to bring them together which there was a number of connective tissues that wasn't appropriate like okay vader has a scar on his cheek from something at the end of jedi but whenever he gets burned at the end of episode three he doesn't have that and what happens? He gets a scar on his face from this battle, mm-hmm. from the the blow that Obi Wan uh, gave. I, so, I, I I feel like the more you guys talk about that, and it's funny that you're bringing it up. If you pay, it, it feels it it feels when you watch that battle. It, it strangely enough, and again, you guys might not agree with me, but it does feel like it, in in weird old. In a weird way, like in terms of the beats, it feels a beat to beat comparison of episode three in terms of how things kind of landed out, you know, in terms of of the certain beats that would lead into the fights and the crescendos and and almost kind of re landing in the same position again with with once again uh Anakin slash Vader. Uh, taking the big old L and you know, <laughs> uh, you know being on his feet, gravel, you know, gra- you know, complaining and, and crying to to once again Obi uh, to to Obi, um, in, in the same situation. So beat for wise, I feel like beat for beat, it feels like they could, if you were to line them up, you could 
you know, I'm not going to say that the only difference is where it was one, one was fought in, in a desert, in a cold desert. Uh, the other one was, you know, fought on some like hot lava pit. But, uh, no, I can see yeah. that. I can see how you break it up. Yeah. yeah, if you yeah for the same beats you could you can sense that crescendo so. Um, but yeah. Muscabar, yes. Um, yeah the 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 planet that you see uh, Vader's temple on that's the planet that they fought on. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, I, there is some contrast to them that way. Um, where it's more earth earthbound, um, and earth elements versus the the fire. Um, and I think there was an intention for it to have a lot of the same beats uh, that I think was completely intentional mm-hmm. um, because it, it you knew it had to play out that way that was that was not uh, I think by by accident um, you, you knew that they had to play it out in a certain way and it had to you knew Obi-Wan had to win this one because of what happens in a new hope. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I I agree. Uh, it, that you know, also uh, just to kind of move uh, move the series forward. Um, well, I guess what, what guys, what were your opinions about you know going back to tat? Was it? I hope I, I might be Tatooine. Tat- yep. Tatooine. Uh, which you know, going back to Joel Egerton and you know the situation with Luke, because you know we also have to be remembered we were brought back to, unfortunately Moses now in the hunt for for Luke Skywalker at this point. What what was your what were your, what were your feelings about that scene kind of plugged in to that moment and but the the Reva scene, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, her her character is the one uh, you want to go first. You I don't. Sorry. Uh, well, I was going. That's right. Um, I was going to just mention about how she, you know, she shows up in the in the market and she's on the hunt. Yeah. Um, and then it, it plays out where she's, uh, she keeps, um, she's hunting for Luke now because she learned about him on the holocron. But uh, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. No. For me, there <clears throat> there was three three main characters, three arcs: Vader's yeah. arc, Kenobi's arc, and Reva's arc. Mm-hmm. Reva's arc was the one that there was no real set conclusion to. And that, in a way, kind of bothers me a little bit because I'm not sure, because she knows way too much information to be left alive in the series. So I don't know what if that's going to be for a second season, uh, you know, and it'll delve more into her character. But it, it was six parts, so it's almost six hours worth of, of film and you should have been able to put a cap on her arc as well. You know what I mean? Like, or at least yeah. give more of a definitive answer to her arc. No, I, I, I feel where you're coming from in, in that situation with Moses Ingram's arc, you know, with Reva's arc, it just, it just feels very, um, it should have concluded, you know, in terms of, in terms of her character uh, failing to complete what she wanted to do, right. although it, it felt like in terms of the writers, it just didn't really seem uh, like we get what, what she was trying to do, but 
her character just was at times felt very poorly written in terms of how she would reach her moments and how she would reach uh, reach reach her her, her her points and to lead into the conclusion that we eventually get you know with her just uh, you know unfortunately not going with taking out you know Luke so yeah in a weird way it's just like how how does she fit within the history um you know and and what becomes of her you know which is a problem the fact that she did survive mm-hmm. dark vader out of all the characters usually when you go up against that guy other than if you're other if you're not obi-wan or you're not luke skywalker it should have been lights out like your your, your character should have been done yeah. So the fact that they kept her alive and for her to go after Luke, which really at the end of the day really doesn't really make much any sense at, at that point. You know, what do you do with this character? Does she, and, and again, where does she fit within the time in the mythos and, 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 and her time period and how long does she move on? You know, it's... I don't, again, is it is it a situation where the the hopes that they get a season two is, is that what they're trying to do, bite that they can continue to explore this character? But yeah, it just like you said, Dennis, I I, I really don't understand why it, it, her her arc should have concluded in episode five, really, right. and yeah. and gone yeah. out with the person's death. Which if that were to be the case. I wish the fight scene on episode five would have been more big of a grand finale for her. Like she went out truly swinging, and I have to admit, like going back to like Star Wars, like again, needs to talk with Matt and how we felt about those battles. It wasn't really that great of a battle. Like it wasn't really great of a battle for her to go off on. So, yeah, it just seems like a character really in limbo that really should have died. Yeah, last season. I think that, and we've been saying this all series, that like we we can't figure out her character, mm-hmm. and like, she's not the strongest character um, in the series by far, uh, not, which is unfortunate. Not, not the best well-written character. In the no, and, and I get what the writers, I get what the writers were trying to do with. Um, this kind of okay. This is her redemption, and how they went about it. And on a literary stance, it makes perfect sense. Um, it just did not translate well. It's like okay, she for whatever reason, and, and okay, she she sees the hol- um the hollow message and about okay getting the boy on Tatooine. Da da da. But why does she feel compelled other than? Yeah, I guess somehow she puts together that's Vader's son. So if I can't get the father, I'll get the son. Right to avenge all the other younglings that got wiped out. Yeah, right. Which at no point did they really they left the audience to try and figure that out for themselves. No no point did they try to explain it. (laughs) And they didn't do a good job of trying to lead the audience there either, in my mind. But. Mm -hmm. She she obviously heals pretty well from getting run through with the lightsaber because she all she has to just put a towel around herself. Um, I got a I, I guess. 
you know, she's using the force to keep herself going. All that is very, like Isaac was saying, unfortunately, some laser lazy writing and just trying to rush things along. Um, the redemption part of where she has the opportunity to kill Luke and she finally realizes that she's becoming what she has been trying to uh, revenge this whole time or trying to destroy this whole time. She's turning, you know, she takes that blow and takes down Luke. Then she's no better than Vader. And that's her turning point and turning moment where she realizes that I can't do this. This is not who I, I am. This is what I've been trying to stop. And I am. This is what I'm be, I'm becoming. So that's where she she gives up there. Where her character goes from there. She's just lost in the desert or lost to, you know, gets lost in the galaxy like any other Jedi. Um, does she show up for a season two? I'm not that they've said anything, but I'm hedging my bet that there will be some sort of season two. Um, all in all, from my understanding, this has been a fairly well-received show. Um, the viewing ship has been uh, really strong, from my understanding. Uh, so I wouldn't see why there wouldn't be. But with anything with uh, Disney+, Plus, they're slow to announce or commit to a follow-up season. I mean, think of all the Marvel ones that we've seen. The only thing that we know that is getting a season two at the moment is Loki. Nothing else we've heard about any sort of continuation. Well, yeah, I think uh, Marvel-wise, yeah, in terms of the Star Wars universe, you know, uh, in terms of sequels, it's just Mandalorian right now, rightfully right. so. But uh, yeah, it just um, yeah, with Moses, was was Reva's character? It it just was a half half haphazard poor storytelling of a redemption arc that felt very clumsy all the way up to the season finale which really again i i i don't really understand why her character is still around but if it again if if it is just to hopefully keep her around for a season uh, two i just i i don't know but uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really come for me in terms of her writing. If her writing will get any better for that character, you know, like unfortunately they didn't do a great enough job that I want her character to be around. So, yeah, I yeah, no point did I I ever. I was wow. excited about her character to begin with, and then I just never really that grabbed me. But with that opposite, it, it unfortunately keeping her care, and then and then in that same breath, there was another great character in uh, played by uh, uh, by Indira Valma playing Talia, which her character was brilliantly fleshed out and was brilliantly acted and was brilliantly acted to go out the way that she did. If so, I felt like the characters really should have been reversed. Where I feel like Tal, uh, Tala's character, played by uh, Indra Valma, should have stayed around longer, because I could see that that character could have played off very well with uh, with Obi Wan, because it felt like with her character, it seemed like they were going to build like a romance interest, which you could see going 
and then you can kind of play within that range for the limited time that they have versus what they did with Reva's character. I think they should have... I, I really felt like that they they should have killed off Bose's character and kept around uh, Tala's character. I felt like they, they wasted a really good, well-fleshed-out character in Tala. That's what I'm very upset about with the series. So... Dave, would you like to rebuttal that? Uh, no, I'm just uh, like the the whole saber to the stomach thing. Like we could have, they should have given us a little thing on how the Grand Inquisitor survived his stab to the stomach. Um, yeah, I, I have a feeling Reva. I, don't, I just picked up on something that could just it could be dumb. It just in in part three when Reva was in the, that room talking to the fifth brother and the other sister or whatever. And he used the force to flop her down on the table. She gets back up. She holds her stomach and then go, you know, looks down and goes, I'm, I'm going to report to Vader whatever information they had. Now, I'm one. And then if you look at the recap for part six, they had a little uh, scene where it looked like Anakin and then Vader were both plunging a, a saber into her. So I'm wondering when she was running as a youngling, did she get stabbed and somehow survived it? And then, they, and then uh, the Grand Inquisitor hit her back in that same spot. So it just re-injured whatever was there. Again, sloppy writing, but I'm just theorizing. <laughs> yeah, I could be way off here. And so you're saying she got like the Fennec Shen uh, treatment? Yeah, she had some kind of, yeah, the Fennec Shen, she got repaired, some kind of robotics in there and got stabbed again in that same section. They never showed anything. They never, you know, they like you said, they put a towel around it. Hey, I'm good. <laughs> Wasn't that confusing? Because didn't they like didn't the Inquisitor say that we like we, we found you hiding in the gutters or something like that? Or uh, yeah. mm-hmm. she was found uh, she was found under like and it it was a little bit all all over the place. Like they they found her in the gutters and then she would become an Inquisitor. But in the same breath, too, didn't she also say that she was she hid under the dead bodies that way? Uh, uh, she would have been picked out by Anakin. By, by, that, yeah, she said that. That's what yeah, said. She got stabbed and she it, was it, hanging out with the other ones to, to hopefully live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she it, said she was hiding under the bodies. And it's, then all, the, it's all over the place with his character. I don't yeah. really get... Well, he has like three different backstories within... Right. They, they left her character for you to supremely speculate everything about her arc as opposed to the other characters. Yeah, the um, how I take it, I mean, against the attack from Anakin during Order 66, she hit under the bodies of the fallen younglings. Right. Uh, and then the Inquisitors didn't find her right away because the Inquisitors didn't exist okay. for a little while after that. So when the Inquisitor sta- uh, Inquisitorial staff okay. started to form several years later is when they found her as a street rat in the gutters and, um, you know, maybe hitting up some spice or something, you know, on the, so that there's a time lapse between those two events that wasn't very clear. Uh, but if you, unfortunately, if you really under, you know, you really have to understand your timelines to, to kind of figure that. And again, that's left to the audience to try and put together. Um, that's not something that, that should be something that they explained better and again they fortunately didn't so unless if you've done a lot of your research or really watched a lot of things and paid attention to them 
which most people haven't, uh, then yeah, you're not going to realize that, but yeah, it's, um, again, they had a lot of potential with this character and, and I think they did the character an injustice with how they, um, they wrote her. They, they, they had a lot of potential to do a really cool character. And, um, I think if anything in this show, this is where they dropped the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for me, she did grow on me as the show was going on, but the way it ended with her, I'm like, here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) As I, I heard on uh, coffee with Kenobi, Dan, Dan was, um, Dan or his guest was saying, uh, a friend of the podcast stands there saying, how many lightsabers are ba- buried in the sand of Tatooine? Yeah. <laughs> you walk around with a metal detector. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. So that that's a, that's a long-running trope now in, in Star Wars that it's like, all right, let's, let's move along. I, I liked where, going back an episode, where you had the lightsabers on a tray on mm-hmm. that planet that they were, uh, you know, trying to smuggle away from. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, here's the lightsabers of Jedi's past who gone through here and had to give up their, who they are and symbolically their lightsabers are, are left behind on display. That I thought was really cool. And her just tossing her really cool lightsaber off to the sand. Demon, I don't think she did. She bury it even? I don't think she just tossed it and walked, right? Sure, I think she just threw it away. Yeah, she just threw it in front. They both stood up and that was it. They left it there. Yeah, and they just kind of <laughs> threw it away and walked away. I like the, what's considered supposed to be, you know, a more elegant weapon from a more elegant time. That's a lot of respect there for it. <laughs> I guess because it, it, it re- what it represents. Uh you know, it represents death. It it represents uh, persecution. It it represents genocide. Um, so you know, you don't even get the respect of a burial. So I I guess don't they know they have a ten year old Luke running around there? He could pick that up and actually <laughs> kill himself. Come on, then you screw up the whole cannon. <laughs> so some sand person comes along. <laughs> um, yeah, or Jawa picks it up. <laughs> Tika. Tika might pick it up and sell it. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, that that's it, that's the unfortunate part. I mean, I I love the exchange line at the end of them in saying that uh where do I have it here? About being free. Mm-hmm. Um you know, she you know have I become him in Obi-Wan? No, you, you chose not to, um, who you become now is up to you. And then she says, now you're free and we're both free. And I, I do like that line. I like Obi-Wan's lines. It's, like, it's just what they did with her. Just, uh, it's a shame. Um, she's, it's a shame. She's now Reva Skywalker. <laughs> Well, I don't think she wants to be Reva Skywalker. Yeah, sure, that's what, that's yeah. exactly what she was trying not to become. Not to be, yeah. She's Reva Palpatine. <laughs> Ray, we have found your, your mother. Um, it's, uh, yeah, um, I, I think that's the most unfortunate thing to come out of this series is, you know, the Inquisitors, I don't think were handled as well as they could have been. No. Just on a whole. Yeah. Um, you you really could have gotten a sense of their, you got a sense of the power of Darth Vader, um, 
again. And I saw someone post online about how in the, the original trilogy, you know, you learn that Vader's this powerful and dark character, but you never, you know, and then, but when you got the prequels, you kind of lost that sense with finding about who Anakin is. He's just this child and misdirected and okay. It's, you, you watered the character down, mm-hmm. but then with the end of rogue one and then with him in this series, you get that dark, that foreboding. You remember why Vader is one of the quote unquote best villains of all time. This series is what I actually wish we would have got for episode three instead of him just being flipped to Vader at the end of episode three and going, no, you know what I yeah. mean? This is the kind of what I wanted to see back then, you know, cause he wasn't really Vader at that point. Now he's Vader at the end of the Kenobi series. Yeah. Even at the beginning, the earlier parts, when we first see him in three, two episode two, um, where we first see him, he's, there's still that dual nature mm-hmm. uh, of him, but by the end, he's you know he is fully the Vader that we see in four, five, and six. Um, you, you you get the the sense of okay, he's he's discovered his purpose and his transformation is complete. It's you know the entire series of Kenobi is a a story of transformation and discovery. And it's not just Obi Wan's. Uh, transformation and discovery back to who he was and what he needs to be going forward but it's vader's transformation from who he was to what he has become to full bone yeah. yeah yeah uh so which was emphasized by the imperial march fit <laughs> you know in getting uh the emperor reprising his role uh, in um McCullum's up there, you know, and just portraying it again, you know, I sense, you know, there's a problem with you, my friend. I, 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 you know, found that was interesting. The the wording, where he starts off, he calls him his friend. At the end, he's referring to him as Vader. Yeah. And again, it's that connective tissue between the prequels and the originals. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you pick up on that, Isaac? Yeah, no, I, again, you know, Again, based on what uh, was the the material that you're working with within the timeline, you have to make sure that you make those connections at some point. So yeah, um, I wasn't too shocked about the emperor making his uh, appearance and uh, basically reminding him, you know, hey, you know, you you. You gotta let go of your your emotions uh, and any light that's in you, and make sure that you're you gotta be full batty when uh, when when new hope comes around, man. So you know, uh, stop being a punk and you know, <laughs> that crap. And put a, um, <laughs> we, have a we have a bigger picture here, man. Come on. Yeah, we're yeah. slapping him around a bit. Come on, you're my general. Come, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Stop. Stop moping Big around. Big picture again. Big picture. Stop moping around your your previous master and get your head in the game, uh, Anakin. Jeez. So yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It um, was still cool to see the Emperor again in that in the, you know in that hologram. Yeah, that was cool. I don't think quite as cool as 
one of my favorite moments and seeing Qui-Gon finally showing mm-hmm. up. I, yeah. I, I had a feeling it, that was going to happen at that point. But even though I, I, I suspected it, to actually see it happen. Yeah, it was awesome. That I, I was really ecstatic about that. I, I, I was giddy. I thought they were going right. to do it when he was clearing out his cave. I thought he was going to pop up there, but... <laughs> you, nope. you left something behind the rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you dropped something. Fooled you. <laughs> um, that, and I think the, the... That is up there, but I think my favorite, favorite moment was when... Obi Wan met Luke, and he said the infamous "Hello there." Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, just I got that game. As silly as it sounds, that gave me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the beginning of um, of the long history of um, of Obi Wan looking over Luke's, uh, and finally kind of coming out of the shadows and really kind of being more more of an important part of. Of a family figure now, and into Luke's uh, Luke Skywalker's life, so that that was a pivotal moment to the beginning shifts to uh, New Hope. Yeah. He's not; he's no longer the creepy old guy watching Luke from a distance with binoculars. But did that ruin anything as far as canon when he met him? No, because mm-hmm. it it was it's left ambiguous in the. Um, in the originals that Luke knows of him, so it's it, just like Leia. Um, well, they, they know cl- of. They, they kind of cleared that up, though. He's like, we got to keep our relationship a secret, so that kind of helps to close up. But he also said, if you ever need help, you know, please call me again. Um, but they know of that character. They know of Ben Kenobi. Uh, it never explains their relationship, how they know of him, uh, or, or anything beyond that. But there is, so there is a familiarity. It's never explained to what extent um, or anything beyond that. It, but so the fact that they know of his character doesn't really mess with anything. Mm-hmm. Um. Isaac, any favorite moments out of this one? Favorite moments? Uh, I, I guess... Don't struggle again, too hard. Uh, I would have to say the favorite moments would have to be within six. Again, the, the, the battle between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader would have to be the more favorite moments of, in terms of that fight sequence. Um, would have to be the more better standout. A moment for for the series, um, but other than that, I, 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 it, it was okay. I, I, you know, that that would be my only favorite moment. I could really stand out from it. So, yeah. Dave, any what's your favorite moment out of part six? Six had all kinds of eye candy. Just like in the beginning, Vader and the Inquisitor together, the the cracked mask. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, the the Qui Gon ghost, all of it. It just phenomenal episode. It, that was the way to go out. Okay, so if we were to rate just part six, 
what would we give part six on a scale of one to ten? Dave? I give it a nine. Isaac? I would give it a eight. And I am going to see your nine and give you a nine as well. So, on a whole, I actually do have these written down in front of me. So, part one. Dave, you gave it an eight. Isaac, you gave it an eight. I gave it a 7.5. Part two, Dave, you gave it a seven. I gave it a seven. Isaac, you gave it a five. Part three. I did that one by myself, did I? Yeah. So part three. No, I gave you did a, with Matt. Nope, I did that with Matt. I gave it a six. He gave it a Twinkie. Um, <laughs> part seven. I uh, Part four, I gave that one a seven. Or what else was on that? Me. Part five, that was me again. That was a nine. Isaac, you gave it a six. And then we just gave this ones our nines and eights. Yeah. So on a whole, for Obi-Wan... Dave, how would you rate it? The overall series? Overall series. I give it a, uh, an 8, a strong 8. The only reason why, for me, it's an 8 is just the mishandling of the Inquisitors and the Reva arc. Had they elaborated a little bit more on those, it could have been a 9, 9.5 easy. Yeah. Interesting. Isaac? I, I would go and give it a, I think overall, I'd give it a 7. Um I, I would have to say overall the series. I think my issue with this entire series has been the pace and overall the the build up. Um, again, speaking of the last, uh, and it's 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 been a big issue with Star Wars shows on under slow pace and and then the unfortunate need that they have to ramp it up literally at the last episode to. Um, to hopefully wrap up a lot of ends where you felt like if better writing and better pacing could have built up to the moments to the climax and into its conclusion, I think would have made the series a lot more better. Because, again, and going back to what David has said, uh, the poor use of the Inquisitors. Again, the Inquisitors were just there for show. They really haven't really been... Um, there and then you know you get your 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 at your typical actor cameos that you know want to figure a way to be the character for the lore but um yeah i just think this series in, in my opinion just um i think this this series struggled in needing to be contained because of the end the end result of what A New Hope is going to bring in, in terms of Obi-Wan and from what we know about the episodes. It isn't the same with The, Mandal with the Mandalorian or Boba Fett where you feel like the stories can kind of go anywhere and they can kind of work with this vast palette because we don't know a lot of, we don't know a ton of The Mandalorians and we don't know a ton of Boba Fett. But this felt way too contained where Unfortunately, I feel like maybe the writers couldn't really go out of the way to do too much um, moving forward. So, uh, yeah. So I would I would give it a seven at this point. And okay. To, to follow up on that, that's what concerns me about a season two of Kenobi because they they managed to tiptoe without really stepping on any canon 
you know, if they do a second season, now where are they going to go? You don't, you know, you, you, you didn't screw up anything. So will they, how, how can they have a second season without screwing up anything in their timeline? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I, I can yeah. answer that question because we have evidence of it from Rebels. Um, but that's where you're going also. Is you're, you can step outside now from the episode four and episode three bubbles. Because you've, you've now covered that. You're taking care of that. Uh, you would you move away from Luke and Leia. You move away from Vader. You take those parts out of the picture and you, do, you focus more on Kenobi. And an adventure that he has. He can have an adventure with with uh, Reva um, or somebody else. Um, you know, he can uh, even meet up with uh, um, Roken again. But you you eliminate that. But now you have to keep in mind that Rebels will be starting up shortly. And he, he does make appearances there. So you have to keep that continuity going. Um, since we've established Rebels is canon. So you have to work that angle. Um, but like Isaac was saying, you don't have that issue with Boba Fett. You don't have that issue with Mandalorian. I, I would actually even beg to say that Mandalorian doesn't have the pacing issues that these other series has had so far. Boba mm-hmm. Fett had the pacing issues. Start off really slow and rush at the end. Um, I feel Mandalorian's pacing has always just generally been better on a whole. Yeah. Um, because it's just completely free from anything and everything. The uh, I don't know if Andor is going to have that same situation because you only have, as far as we know, one character that has anything to do with anything. And when we're introduced to that character, he's in you know the back scums of some downtrodden planet. So beyond that, you have well, there's Mon Moth shows up in that. So you have a little bit there, but again, minor character versus dealing with four major characters. I think that was the hardest thing with this series that you had four major characters that you knew had to continue on. Yeah. You know, one or one and a half major characters that have to make it through. You give a lot of playing ground a lot of more um liberties to writers to be able to introduce other characters that could have unknown fates uh so that I, and uh, it, and and to move on to that and I, my, my fear of them trying to do a season two I, like i said like what david said i feel like it, it to me, I feel like they've concluded what they need to accomplish with this, and I don't know where they would go with. Like you said, I know you you give you give the you give great examples about what they could do with the season two, but but then again, I also feel like that even puts even more of a constraint in terms of what you can do with Obi Wan moving forward, unless you know, like you said, Obi Wan go on this wacky adventure that 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 hey, turn B left. And go on these crazy adventures until you have to pivot right back into being, you know, the old dude that has to teach, uh, that has to kind of tell tell Luke that he's a Jedi, uh, moving forward. So, um, it, it it just feels like, and again, I've 
this has been my personal beef with Star Wars. The, the, I have to admit, like the, the Sky, the Skywalker saga puts very weird restraints of what you can do because it can, you can't bother canon at this point, you know. Versus everything else in Star Wars, where it's like, okay, it's free range, you know. Everything, like you know, like I said, Mandalorian has free range because it doesn't tie too much directly with the Skywalkers. Boba Fett should have been a better show because it really doesn't tie anything to to the Skywalkers other than that certain episode where we had to finally see a, um, where's Luke been, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Luke has been yeah. moving forward. No, Luke is building yeah. his temple that we see again. Yeah, in, uh... yeah he's starting to build the temple, which 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 been the start of Jedi Academy, you know? So that, would be, that was the really kind of the only uh, connection with Skywalkers. Other than that, anything that contains the Skywalkers has to be very specific, and and I, and I feel and and I, and I just feel like with with Obi Wan, he plays way too close to that canon to where where I feel like doing a doing the season two would just wouldn't really in my eyes wouldn't really progress anything more further for the Skywalker saga. So. Exactly, exactly, I agree with him. I mean, it look it appears that they accomplished what they wanted to. Yeah. So well, do I want more? Yes. But if I'm really happy with what they put out, so if they were to end it, I'm, I'm good with that too. Yeah. I, I mean, I would be completely fine if this was a one and done. Yeah. There you go. Um, it is it's I, I, almost a six I, hour movie. Yeah. Personally, I, I hope it's a one and done. Like to me, like I, I, I would not want to see a season two just because of you. you like I said, like they said, I feel like you completed what you needed to do with this character, and I think it's time to look into other parts in in the galaxy for other characters and and build on on, on those adventures. I, I believe, um, like I said, like Andover, like I'm, I'm very ex- interested because it has nothing to do. It has everything to do with Star Wars, but it has, or you know, this is kind of the first time where we're not really dealing with. The Skywalkers. We're dealing with everyday people, and their and how they handle the Empire and the beginnings of a rebellion against, which starts off it's a Rogue One. So um, yeah, well, you, you get some of that in the Rebel series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also seeing it some uh, in the Bad Batch. So we're getting more into that territory, which I think is a wonderful territory because the movies really never touched on it. Yeah. You, you were told about it, you, it was inferred, or it was left to your imagination that kind of these things were happening. But now we're getting a lot more. So this is this is a beautiful area to be exploring. Um, in, but you if you step away from the Skywalker center of it, there's a lot to explore. Yeah. Uh, and not mess up anything else. Uh, then you got like Ahsoka that's coming out that, again, that takes place after the fact. And won't have anything to do that we know of with uh, anything Skywalker. And that's going to be, you know, again, that's a moving forward series from an ending point. They don't have to worry about you know, what happens because we don't know what happens to these characters. Other than the ghost ship does show up at the end of Rise of Skywalker. But that, yeah, that, that doesn't have to play into anything. Because uh, Chopper shows up in one of the movies too, and that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so that uh, that is yet to come. But the uh, 
yeah, overall, um, I'm happy with what we're left. I know this has been a passion project for Ewan McGregor since Solo came out. And we finally get to it. I think they did it justice. I think doing it this way did serve it better than if it was condensed. I mean, well, let me see what you guys think. What, how would this been better? Did, did this work as a six-part series or would have been better as a two-hour, 40-minute 40, two 40 movie? Um, well, most of the episodes are what? Like 40, 35, 40 minutes on average? Right. A little shy of six. But. They, it, it, they could have shaved out maybe the first Rescue Leia mission. You know what I'm saying? And save 35 minutes if you want to, to, you know, to make it shorter. Other than that, to me, it played out perfectly. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause mm-hmm. you didn't need the, the two rescue missions. So if you wanted, you could have made it a five-parter an hour each and called it a day. Okay. Isaac? Um, that That's tough because... I, I felt like a lot of the episode felt like very, I wouldn't say filler, very fillerish, but thin. It felt very thin in terms of its writing. So it's like a wacky in between. You know, like you would say, one should feel like six episodes should have been been enough, but you know, like, but like you like you said that you feel like you could have shaved some things off to the point where. Um, you know, maybe this could have been a four-episode series that they could have shaved some things off a little bit, and and maybe, 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 um, maybe uh, Disney should kind of wave this weird narrative where we have to have like what an hour, like an hour, hour, like we need to have an hour between six episodes to stretch out and. You know, maybe maybe we have two-hour blocks where we can sit down and tell a story. Because, because we're, wait, we're, the first two episodes, was in the first episode, like, 30... Wasn't one episode, like, 30 minutes? And then the first episode, like, what, it was 45, and then and the second episode, like, 30? was 30 minutes. Um, yeah. Episode one was 53. Episode okay. two was 39. Okay, so... Okay. Three was 45. Four was 36. That's the shortest of them. Five is 40, and six is 48. The long, uh, second longest. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like the the writing just left a lot of blank space. It was in a lot of patchy moments. That again, like six should have been good for a series like this, but because I felt like the writing wasn't as strong, it made this so so empty at, at moments until like the, the, the until the season finale you know where they have to we had to jam everything into the season finale and so better pacing so it's really hard for me to say but so you and think these, it, they could do the whole thing though in under three hours and still i think they, they could have done maybe four a four episode series should have done it in my opinion. Okay, so well, it's still a series, but a, sh- a much shorter series. It should have been a much shorter series okay. and, and give it a little bit more better leeway for breathing in moments. Um, yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right, so let's uh, let's hit the conclusion here. 
our MVP of the series. So, uh, Isaac, this is your brainchild of of uh, segments. I'll let you go first. Who is your MVP of the Obi Wan Kenobi series? So my 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 most valuable character throughout this entire series has to be given to the little girl that's captured everybody's hearts. And that'd be Miss Leo Tega, played by Vivian Leo Blair. She has been the more enjoyable part of this in the series just because she's been the more she's been the more light hearted moments of this show and I will admit there was a fantastic moment where uh, Obi-Wan gives her the holster and that begins yes. her, her, her her moment of being the uh, uh, her, her, her journey into politics but still journey but later on being the badass that she will be much much down in the road so uh, yeah, I think she's just been the more adorable part of this entire series uh, moving forward. So yeah, I would I would give that to her, hands down. On the holster, was that like did she have that in any of the future movies? I'm trying to rack my brain to see. Not that I'm aware of, and I, I was thinking that myself. I'm like, <sighs> like maybe it's yeah, maybe it's great hard, but she doesn't have it in A New Hope. Right. I don't think she had an empire. I'm thinking Jedi when she was on on Endor. When she was dressed as the bounty hunter, possibly. Or yeah. what? Uh, wasn't she in like the 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 uh, the camo? The you know what I'm talking about? Like she had that. Yeah, and when she was on the moon of Endor. Right, that's what she I'm was saying. In the, the battle camo. <laughs> or did, did she? When she lands on the planet in Force Awakens. And uh, we get her character for the first time. Does she have anything then? No. So, so um, I, 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 I'm reading up a little bit of, of some information. So, yes, the, 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 it, it does have significance of the holster because it would be in Return of the Jedi where she would have it holstered. Yes. Okay. That, so, yeah, because if that would... That would make sense because they would go in because of the stealth mission on on, on yeah. So that so is somehow she gets it off her plant before the plant blows up and keeps it with her closely when she gets kidnapped. <laughs> we'll keep this. I'm, I'm looking too much into it. I'm looking way too much. Into it. I'm sorry. Yeah. So yeah, that it it would be that that would that's what the, that would be the most closest thing we would know to why she would. Why that holster was given to her, so okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, the answer, answer right there. So, Dave, who's your MVP character? I mean, it's probably the obvious one, the the main guy, Ewan McGregor, Obi Wan, because it just he you could tell it this was a passion, Ben, Ben, Ben. Ben. this was a passion uh, project for him, you could tell just. From start to finish, his acting going from the the Jedi that was, you know, uh, totally disconnected from the Force to more powerful than we've ever seen him before. Just he carried for me. He carried the show from start to finish. Yeah, he. Uh, you could really tell he was he was really 
pouring his heart into this project. Yes. Um, and he, yeah, he did a he did a fantastic job. Um, I am I'm torn between two. I and I, I really want to give it to Tala. Um, how much you know in basically one and a half episodes. Also, the impact of that character. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Matt. That that holster is it's from Tala. That the, yes. that's Tala's yes. holster. Yes. yes, it is. So I just want to make that in. Sorry. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. It's Tala's. I, again, how he ended up with it, I'm not quite certain on oh, that either. How did she blow herself up? How did she? Get, how did he get the holster? <laughs> well, it's it's that part where he's he escaped the guards and he's running back, and I guess. Did it fly by him and he caught it? <laughs> Um. Lazy writing. No. <laughs> it is in perfect, pristine condition. Yeah. yeah. Was she wearing it though? Was she wearing it in the battle? Oh, I don't know. She must have because she was. That's when she talked about it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, no, I'm I'm gonna give it to Leia Organa, Princess Leia Organa, um, Vivian uh, Lara Blair. Um, fantastic. Uh, I, I didn't realize she was. She's the girl from Bird Box. Oh, the Netflix that series. That was that Netflix thing, right? With uh, yeah, with Sandra yeah. Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah. She's the little girl from that. Hmm. Um. So makes me want to go and actually watch that now. Uh, no, I, I, you know, for a girl who is eight playing a ten-year-old. Mm-hmm. It's usually a teenager trying to play a younger one. She was actually underage of her character. She's 10 now when the series comes out, but considering that they, they filmed it last year, she just turned 10 this month, uh, June. So she was been nine when this series started. So she was probably eight when they recorded it because they filmed it last year. Uh, I, I thought she did a fantastic job. Um, she, she really, um, embodied the character of Princess Leia, uh, writing again to get all the right tones and notes. They, they did a good job with that and she did a great job portraying it and delivering it and, uh, doing Carrie Fisher proud of, you know, carrying on the legacy of this, uh, um, pinnacle character of star wars so yeah i i um my runner-up would, would definitely be tala um, and it'd be a very close match there but yeah no leia i think uh did a wonderful job um you know she kind of became more of a back character towards the end but at the beginning um particularly in part three and in part four she she did uh some wonderful wonderful work I can't argue with that because, again, like like I said, from parts one and two, I didn't expect her to be in the series. So, shocked she was in it. She pulled it off. You know, it, I, I had no issues with her. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah. So, any uh, any final notes, gentlemen? No, 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 nothing at all. Nothing at all. I just think, uh, yeah, you know, another another Star Wars series on Disney Plus. Yeah. 
do we want to say our favorite part of the series? I've already said that the, the, the best part of the, the series battle, yep. was the battle, so it would be re- be re- kind of repetitive at this point. <laughs> okay. Dave, do you have a favorite part of the entire series? The entire series? Um, the entire series. I know that's a lot. Yeah, there's a, a whole bunch of there. <sighs> For me, it would have to be when he was talking to the Emperor, because uh, that is, for me the conclusion of of that now we got vader the imperial march goes boom now he's he's put all that stuff behind him he's not obsessed with obi-wan no more now hopefully we get a vader series and we go off from there so but no that was my favorite because the whole thing it was always a torn vader is he anakin is he this is he but now yeah. we know for 100 percent fact he's vader even to the point where we had hayden christensen during interviews saying well they they are basically the same person yeah and at this point, they're not. No. Um, and even Vader himself says, no, I killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was I awesome. killed him, I took over his body, and you're, <laughs> you're going to die next. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that that's, uh, yeah, I get that. Um, for me, um, it, it, it's kind of a weird moment, but uh, something that just stuck out in my mind was whenever... You have Vader come out, and this is part five, and reach forward and pull the starship out of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Use the force and rip the hatch off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really, you you. very few moments do you ever see the power of Anakin or Darth Vader. And right there, I mean, to take a ship with its thrusters going... That can get away from a tractor beam, you know, by putting, you know, easing off the throttle and it gets off the tractor beam. He just it plucks that thing out of the sky like a, you know, like a leaf. Yeah. <laughs> Slams on the ground and rips a huge chunk out of the hull. Yeah. Like it was that's, paper. That's a cool moment. That I mean, that, cool. that, if you ever need to show someone in 30 seconds why you should fear Darth Vader, mm-hmm. there you go. That followed by the scene from the end end of Rogue One. Oh, yeah. Just ripping through the ship and throwing people left and right to, mm-hmm. to get to the plans. Yes. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my little giddy nerd moment on that. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen. Um, I think that concludes our talk on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, thank you both for coming on. It's always a pleasure talking to both of you. Uh, it is uh, it is something that we need to do more often. So we shall, at some point, we have plenty more series and movies coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, Isaac's movie coming out, Thor: Love and Thunder, where he plays the the title role. Um, we get to see, we get to see Isaac uh, standing in front of the god Zeus. Uh, yes. <laughs> and the girls oogling over him. Uh, when's that? That comes out in what, like two weeks or so? Yeah. Uh, yeah, two weeks, uh, I would say. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, really? Two, yeah, yeah, two weeks. Yeah, it drops. Two weeks. Soon. I already got my tickets. It drops very, very soon. soon. Yeah, no, nice. Uh, I, really, I, I don't know why you, you put me in Thor. I, I thought you were talking Korg. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I played Korg 
um, in, in the series. So you get to see uh, uh, um, rock hard butt cheeks if, if people are looking forward to that. Isaac's chiseled body. <laughs> I wouldn't say it, it, I wouldn't say chiseled. It's it's a little concave. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's just some. At least there's concave. Mine's a little more obtuse. So I, I, that's yeah. It's it's more. It's a little bit more rigid. It's it's hard to sit down on the bathroom. <laughs> so. There we go again. Oh boy! Hey, at least he's not doing his Grand Inquisitor impersonation. <laughs> well, uh, we are past now the uh, the safe harbor part. I feel like now, now this is where the the podcast goes off the rails. And, <laughs> yeah. and Leonard's not even on this one. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I've been possessed. I've been possessed by Leonard. So. <laughs> oh, oh boy, that's that's a dangerous thing. I'll have to let him know. <laughs> Um, so yes, again, thank you. Thank you both. And, uh, yeah, we'll be talking soon. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. Thank you for having me, man. Pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank you again for listening, everyone, and thank you, Dave and Isaac, for joining me again this week discussing Kenobi. And we may not be done with Kenobi just yet. Find out next week. But in the meantime, make sure to join our conversation. Join the join the family on social media and let us know what you thought of Kenobi. Join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Disney Marvel's podcast on the Twitter at Disney Marvels on Instagram at Disney Marvels Podcast on TikTok at Disney Marvels Podcast and also don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where summer's around the corner go try to go live on there we'll have to test it out to make sure it works if not we'll go revert back to the Facebook group you can leave us a voice message be heard yourself on the show you can do this through the anchor app or anchor.fm website or record a message through your electronic device, your smartphone, your tablet, your computer, and email it to DisneyMarvels at gmail.com. You could also email us any questions or suggestions you may have to that same address as well, which is DisneyMarvels at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out the latest Disney Marvels blog over at DisneyMarvels.blogspot.com, where I will try to update that as soon as possible. Links to all of these are in the show notes i want to thank you for your time yes you the listener right here you not you not the other person you i want to thank you in each and every one of you for checking in every week listening to us um really appreciate it i love we love this time that we get to spend together with you and we do it for you and thank you I mean, I know how crazy life is and how little time we all have. And uh, the fact that we get to spend this time together really means a lot to us. Um, And I know I ask this every week, but it it really is the truth. Please either share on social media and share a link out to the show so that way other people know about it. 
And even better yet, go to Apple Podcasts, go to uh, Stitcher, and rate the show. Or Spotify, sorry, Spotify, and rate the show. It really helps get the word out there. We have all five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts right now, and it blows my mind. I truly am blessed that that's what you guys think of us. Keep them coming, because the more reviews that we get, the more that those platforms will promote the show and help grow the show that way. The more people in this Disney family, the better. Wolf believes in a big Disney family, and so do I. Don't forget while you're at it to subscribe to the show. This way you always know when new episodes are posted. And while you're at it, consider becoming a premium subscriber to really help the show out. Get those movie reviews going. Get uh, some of these other reviews and stuff going. And just, unfortunately, these things aren't free. You can do this over at anchor.fm slash disneymarvel slash support or find our Patreon page. You can also check out the merchandise shop. Get yourself some really cool Disney Marvel's podcast stuff mugs shirts hoodies sweatshirts all sorts of different fun and it's quality stuff i have several of the the things myself and they hold up the images hold up the product hold up they're comfortable they're some of my favorite articles of clothes so get yourself some get your, and they're always having sales so definitely check it out you can find the links to all these in the show notes, because remember, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. Again, my old proverb here. In Japan, broken objects are often repaired with gold. The flaws are seen as a unique piece of the object's history, which adds to its beauty. Consider this next time you feel broken. Now, of course, I'd like to end this week with a quote from Walt Disney himself. In order to make good in your choice chosen task, it is important to have someone you want to do it for. The greatest moments in life are not concerned with selfish achievements, but rather with things we do for the people we love and esteem, and whose respect we need. And that's Walt Disney. Thank you again for listening, everyone. And I'll see you next time. <laughs>